breaking all barriers. Are you ready to break some barriers? Yeah. Psalm 65 or 11 is our scripture for the year. It says, you crown the year with your goodness and your paths drip with abundance. With abundance. How many know that you can limit God? God can't, people think that God can do anything. No. He can only do what you allow him to do. What you believe he can do. We have a scripture for that. That's not my opinion. Psalms 78 verse 41 says, Again and again they limited God, preventing him from blessing them. Wow. You can prevent God from blessing you, evidently. It's in the word. Preventing him from blessing them, continually they turned back from him and wounded the Holy One. They forgot his great love and how he took them by the hand and with redemption's kiss, he delivered them from their enemies. Psalm 78, verse 19, if you go up a few verses, 19 through 20, it says, Yes, they spoke against God. They said, Can God prepare a table in the wilderness? Behold, he struck the rock so that the waters gushed out and the streams overflow. But can he give bread also? Can he provide meat for his people? I mean, he, they, they said, well, we know he can get water out of a rock. Evidently, they thought that was easy. But to provide food, now that's a little bit tougher. He said, can God do that? Listen, anytime we say can God, it, it, we're thinking in unbelief. We are. The Passion Translation of that one scripture says, like spoiled children, they grumbled against God himself. Demanding him prove his love by saying, can't God provide us in this barren wilderness? Will he give us food and will he only give us water? Where's our meal? How do we limit God? Well, there's three P's that we, we forget about. We forget about the promises of God. We forget about the power of God. We forget about his presence. Promises, the power his presence. The thing is, all three of those are inside of us. Amen. Yeah. You know, when I was a young pastor, I used to say, well, we just, let's believe God for more of the power. Let's believe God for the power. God loves me so much. Eventually, he says, you've got it all. Did you know you have all the powers you're ever going to have? Let me just ask you this. Does Jesus have all the power? Is Jesus living inside you today? Is his presence inside of you? Is he short on power? Poor Jesus. He's only got a little bit of power. He lives in you, doesn't he? So that means all of the power is in you. How about the promises? The promises are in Christ. If Christ is in you, where are the promises? They're in you. How about his presence? He's in you. The Bible says he will never. Hebrews, it says he will never leave you nor forsake you. Never. So his presence is always there. His power is always there. His promises are always there. Psalm 78, 42 says they did not remember his power. And how he rescued them from their enemies. They did not remember his miraculous signs in Egypt. His wonders on the plain of Zoan. 
Remembering the goodness of the Lord will keep us from placing limits on him. How, we do this. We look back at them and say, you know, in the land of Goshen, that was in the middle of Egypt. You know, when all of the plagues came on Egypt, they did not come on the land of Goshen where the children of Israel are. I mean, when all of the frogs were jumping everywhere and jumping in their soup and everything, in Egypt, in Goshen, no frogs. When the hail came, anybody get hail this week? I mean, we got hail. The hail fell all over Egypt. It was destroying their crops. It was so big that it even destroyed their livestock. In Goshen, no hail. And then this one is the big one. When everything got turned to darkness in the middle of the day, you couldn't see your hand in front of your face. If you take one step in Goshen, the sun was shining. Take one step out of Goshen, couldn't see your face. Couldn't see your hand in front of your face. Can't see your face right now, by the way. But anyway, I want to make sure you clarify that. Can anybody see their face? No, you can't. You can see a reflection of your face, but it's not your face. You come to church, you'll learn all kinds of stuff. You have never seen your face. I've seen your face, but you never have. Anyway, <laughs> moving right along. I don't have much time here. I'm goofing off. He said they forgot all of those things. They forgot. And because they forgot, that literally helped them to put limits on God because they didn't think he could do the supernatural. The church hasn't changed. We still have problems with forgetting what God has done. How much has God done for you? How much has he done for you? I mean, it would be good to sit down and just start listing everything that God has done for you. I, I tell this story. There was a man who he was just burned out. He didn't think anything about God anymore, and he was a... Uh, a high official in the church, you know, and so, but he just told the pastor, this is my last Sunday. I'm not serving God anymore. I'm done. I'm just done. I'm done. And the pastor says, I understand. I said, I'll tell you what, can you come in my office and let's just meet and then you can leave. He says, okay, that's fair enough. So he went to the pastor's office and the pastor said, listen, I'm going to pray over you, but listen, I'm not going to ask you. I'm not going to beg you to stay. I just want you to do one thing. Will you do one thing for me? He goes, yeah. He says, I want you to start writing down on a piece of paper everything that God's done for you. And he says, just so we can list it here, and then you can leave. Fair enough? He said, okay. So he started listening and everything, and he was listening, and he was sitting there, and he says, take, it, take your time. You know, he kept listening, all these things that God did for him. You know, he, he remembers the time it healed his daughter. God healed his daughter. Has anybody been healed, you know, by God? Amen. You know God has healed you. It wasn't the medication. It wasn't any, thank God for medication. So he was listening to all these things. And when he got, he got a whole page. And he says, well, let's just pray, brother. And let's just thank God for all these things that he's done for him. Just every one of them, let's just thank God. So the pastor and him started reading it and thanking God. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for, for always watching over me. You have protected me. You provided, oh, I remember asking God for a great job. You gave me that great job. I mean, it's over and over. And he got back down to the end, 
tears started streaming down his eyes. He says, I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful and grateful. I didn't deserve any of this. God, you did it all. How can I leave you that you've been so good to me? He's been good. If you were raised in church where God was bad or where God did evil or where God was slap sickness on you or God just slap you. I used to think that if he gets up on the wrong side of the bed, I know he doesn't sleep, but he may lay down. If he gets up on the wrong side of the bed, he may slap the snot out of me. And I always thought, and I would probably deserve that. So that was all right. Anyway, it's the wrong perception of your heavenly father. I said it's the wrong perception of God. Psalms 103, David sits there and he goes, let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never, never, oh, that's powerful. May I never forget the good things he does for me. And what does he do for me? He forgives all my sins. Aren't you thankful he forgives all your sins? The little ones, the big ones, the ones that people will embarrass you about, the ones that people will never forget. You know, you, you can commit adultery and, and God will forgive you, but... I, Nobody else hardly will. Okay, I'm meddling. He forgives all my sins. He heals all my diseases. Uh, how many? He heals all my diseases. He redeems me from death. He crowns me with love and tender mercies. He fills my life with good things. What kind of things? Good things. If you don't know what good things are, ask a child. They'll tell you. You know, people get spiritual when they grow up and religious, you know, and they sit there and they go, well, what's good? Well, you know, this sickness may be a good thing for me. Well, let's just ask some six-year-old. Is the flu good? Oh, no, it's terrible. It makes you sick. Is cancer and bad? All these sickness bad? Oh, it's bad, bad. Just take it from a child. Ask a kid and they'll tell you if it's good or not. By the way, ice cream good? good? Yeah, okay. Just checking. He fills my life with good things. My youth is renewed like the eagles. Amen. So evidently, there's nothing wrong with good things because God is the giver of good things. Do you have a car today? Do you have a home today? Do you have a bed today? I tell you what, those are good things. We need to be thankful for every good thing. Be thankful for it. Why, why is it good that? Because it take, causes you not to put limits on God. We limit God. God is limitless, but we put limits on him. It says they limited God. They didn't think he could do certain things. When I was growing up, I didn't think God could heal cancer. Nobody ever got healed in our church. We always thought it was the will of God. If somebody got cancer, ah, you sinned. Is that a terrible thing to say somebody who's sick? They're already down, and then you come along and say, oh, not only that, you sinned. Well, that just makes them want to shout hallelujah. <laughs> Thank God for his mercy for stupidity. Yeah. There's no other way to say it, but I mean, it's just, I'm sorry. If you think God wants you sick, you're, you, you have the wrong knowledge. My people perish for lack of knowledge, and sometimes the knowledge will kill you. I believe that's why I, I didn't really intend on spending 15 minutes or however long I spent on, on, on communion today. It's the longest I ever spent. But I felt like Thank you. somebody needs it. Yeah. 
If nobody needs it, I'll take it. Faith comes by. I'm telling you. He says, don't forget God. It's easy to forget the things that he's done for us. When I was a teenager, man, God, he, I would be dead today if, I'm telling you, there's some things, you know, hmm. Teenagers, man, I mean, they, they can, I mean, I was so free. I had no boundaries in my home. My mom did not even know where I was at. She just hoped I was still in Kentucky. <laughs> there was a time my brother-in-law and I and uh, went to, uh, uh, you know what a hollow is? Holler. Nobody knows in Colorado what that. That's, it's like a big valley between two mountains. Well, we went to this one. It's the biggest one in Kentucky. It's called Blue Holler. You could look it up maybe. I don't know. I've never Googled it. But we were on the side of a cliff, and it was so high that trees, big birds like a hawk and stuff would be flying at eye level. And the trees were way, way below us. We were on the side of a cliff. And we were trying to climb up it, and to make a long story short, they, I was little. I was only about, I don't know, 10, 11, or 12. I don't know how old I was, but I was a little bitty guy, 100 pounds. And uh, they were all adults. There was a total of five of us. And uh, so they started going up the mountain on the cliff, and I couldn't reach the first holding point. And so they had to make a human chain down to this, this cliff of where I was at to pull me up. And I grabbed hold of my brother-in-law, and when I did, I was on a ledge. And when I did, my feet just, I just swung over, and there was nothing underneath me. Oh. Hundreds of feet. If it had been 50 feet, that would have been bad, but it was hundreds of feet. I mean, the trees were way down there. And I'm just, <laughs> And all of a sudden, uh, I hear everybody yelling. And my brother-in-law says, grab something, Mike. And he let me go. I still love him today. I told this story. To one time I was preaching someplace, I forgot where, and the woman was sitting on there and goes, she was real, I was telling the whole story, and she thought, oh, does he live? It's me. I'm, I'm the one that was in the story. He lived. She really got into it. I thought she was seeing a movie or something. But anyway, there was a clump of grass growing out of the side of this cliff. And I grabbed, wasn't a tree, it was grass. I grabbed that and held it to my chest, and it held me up 100 pounds. My feet were just dangling on a piece of grass. The Lord reminded me of that years later, and he said, I just want you to know that wasn't coincidental that that grass was growing there. I knew the time, the minute, the very second that you would be there. And if there was nothing there, you would be dead. But I'm going to provide grass for you to grab hold of, and it will be sufficient for you to lay hold on. Man, the Lord reminded me of that. I thank him a lot for that story. <laughs> I would be dead today. I would be dead. 
You can thank God, remember, and it just takes, when you start doing that, you think there's, I'm telling you, it takes limits off of God when you start remembering. Now, you may not have hung on the side of a cliff three or 400 feet up in the air, but I guarantee you there's times that you need to remember what God did for you, from the big thing to the little thing. If he provided a house payment one time, provided you from getting killed in a car wreck, I've seen cars, and I think, how did they survive that wreck? How in the world? There's always something to be thankful for no matter what. Are you thankful that your name's written in the Lamb's book of life? I mean, if he didn't do anything else, and you got saved, and you're on your way to heaven, honey, you got something to thank him every single day of your life. You can't, you go out because you couldn't do anything good enough to get that. And I'll just tell you this, you can't do anything good enough to get healed. You can't do anything good enough to get provision for. But we need to take the limits off God, and one way is to make sure that you're remembering what he has done in your past. If you're married, you need to thank God for your spouse. Yeah. Getting quiet in this holy roller church. Let me tell you, I'm telling you. Last night, I'm just going to tell myself, Melody was, she was fixed, trying to do something with her phone or whatever, and I got aggravated with her. Got short with her. It's because I'm short. But anyway, I got short with her. <laughs> got short with her, and, and she just looked at me, and she says, you know, Mike, the Lord showed me a long time ago or about a year ago, she said. She said, I have a gift of being organized. I, out of everybody that I've known, I don't know anybody more gifted than my wife when it comes to organizational skills. She's the cream of the crop. But one day she said, the Lord spoke to her because she was getting aggravated at people who were not organized, like moi. I've gotten a lot better just being, you hang around somebody long enough and it rubs off. But anyway, um, she said, the Lord told her, he says, do you know why you're gifted? It's not because you are something special. It's because I placed that inside you. So really, you shouldn't be getting aggravated at somebody who doesn't have that gift. If you're good at something, it's because God gave it to you. I'm just saying That'll help your spouse who probably doesn't have the same giftings that you do. And all the married people said, Amen. I'm telling you, God is good. He is so good. You need to remember. So I started thinking, God, we used to bump heads because, Michael, we need to do this. Did you get the interpretation? It's because you, you want them to be and have the same giftings and the same reactions and be the same as you. They're not you. And they never will be. And everybody said, amen. amen. We're glad they're not you. But anyway, <laughs> I'm just telling you, let's be thankful for everything from our spouse to our job to our home. 
If you want a better job, if you want a better car, be thankful for the one that you have. Be thankful for your kids, even when they get into trouble. The Bible says that you're blessed with children. Their children are a blessing. They are a blessing. You need to thank God for it. Ten years ago, if I did this, I would have made myself nervous for not saying anything. I know there's somebody here that God wants to radically change your life. And you've been trying. You know, I used to try harder. And the harder I tried, the more I failed. The Lord wants you to know this. That his love for you is greater than anything that you could ever imagine. And for you to change, it's not going to be because that you're trying harder. But for you to change, it's going to be because you look at Jesus and you focus on him and you're thankful for him change is an easy thing when it's not about you I know that sounds a little weird, ironic wrong even but I found out probably within the last two years of my life that God's grace His grace is something I never knew when I grew up in church. The grace of God is more powerful than anything. And the thing is, that grace has provided everything for you to have victory in this life. And I always thought that I had to measure up to even walk in that grace. You see, because I knew that Jesus would accept me the way that I was to come to his family but then I thought that I had to work good and be good to stay in the family on the good side of the family to have favor in the family it's a lie it is a lie that the church has swallowed hook, line and sinker because we think that we're don't measure up good enough for that and God said you would never measure up Mike and I knew that you needed a savior Do you have the Savior, Mike? Yes, he says, now you measure. You see, when Jesus, God your Father, when he says, do you measure up? He puts, if he had a tape measure and he says, Mike, do you measure up? He doesn't put the tape measure against me. Who does he put the tape measure up against? (laughs) Who? He puts the tape measure up against Jesus. And his Father looks at Jesus and he says, Jesus measures up. That's why if you accept that measurement, Jesus, God now accepts you 100% in your faults, in your weakness, in your sin. I know that a terror religion right and spit it in the eye. It needs to be spit in the eye. 
Why? Because this is the message that will set you free. I always believe that you needed a list. You shouldn't do this and you shouldn't do that and you shouldn't do this and you shouldn't do that. That never set me free. It put me in bondage. I can look at all the porn that I want. I can drink all of the whiskey that I want. They have a lot of it. It's the second cash crop in Kentucky. I mean, uh, tobacco and whiskey is the two biggest things. I can have it all. And God even says, you can have it all, Mike. You can, do, you can do all of that. You can get drunk every day. You can do that, Mike. And I'll still love you. But when I found out about the grace of God and that it's not about focusing on what Mike should do or shouldn't do, and I put my focus on Jesus, I don't want to look at any porn. I don't want to drink any whiskey. I don't want to smoke anything. <laughs> and it's not to prove my holiness. It's not to prove my measurement. It's not to prove anything. I just don't have a want to. My want to is in Jesus now. It's not about Mike. It's about Jesus. And if you want your life to be changed, start with focusing on him and his love for you, and you won't even have to worry about these other things. Well, I just really need to focus on this. The more you focus on it, the more real it's going to be to you, and the harder it's going to be to stop it. We've got the cat chasing the tail, and I'm telling you, man, you just need to quit stop focusing on you stopping whatever you want to stop or you changing whatever you want to change. You can't change yourself. You cannot change yourself. God is not in, what's the word? Righteousness based upon your performance. He's based upon transformation. You want to be transformed? There's only one way to do it. You can never transform yourself. You can't transform your spouse either, by the way, or your children. We try really hard, but you'll fail at that as well. But if you focus on Jesus, he's the one. He's the potter who forms the clay. And by the grace of God, he has, as soon as you give your life to him, he started shaping you and forming you as Jesus you and Jesus are the same today you're the same in God's eye the problem is you don't see that but when you start seeing when I started seeing that it caused me to change automatically it's called effortless change you know why it's effortless because it's not Mike Galatians 2.20 I've gone over. I'm going to share this scripture and I'm done. Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. Mike Davis, Chad, Angela have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, we live. Yet it's not us that lives. It is Christ in me. Who's doing the living? Christ. So why am I struggling? Because the focus is on Mike. Mike's dead. Dead man really doesn't want to see porn. Dead man really doesn't want to get drunk. Dead man doesn't want to do drugs. Dead man doesn't want to go sleep with somebody. Have you ever seen a dead man do any of those things? I'm dead, but I live, yet it's not I that live. When you get an eye-opening experience of that, it will radically change your life. 
It will be easy. If it's hard for you to serve God, you're doing it wrong. You can rest assured. If it's hard for you to live holy, if it's hard for you to live righteous, if it's hard for you to do anything for God, it's, you're, you're, you misplaced everything. Serving God is the easiest thing you'll ever do. Living for God is the easiest thing you'll ever do. Religion is the hardest thing you will ever do because there will be a list from here to Kentucky for things you should be doing or shouldn't be doing. And that's hard and you ain't going to be able to do it. Let's stand. Grace that is greater than all of our sin. God's grace. It sets the captives free. God's grace is so abundant. If I, I pray this for our church. Father, I pray that the eyes of their understanding will be open, that they'll have a revelation of the grace of God. Because if you have a revelation of the grace of God, you will radically change. You will radically change.